The strongest man in the Bible had to learn the reality of his own weakness and the true source of strength. Today, we learn spiritual truths from the life of Samson. Let's join Scott Pauley now as we journey through the Word of God. We're returning in our study today to Judges chapter 14. We're looking, examining carefully the life of Samson. We took a brief detour to number 6 to examine what the Nazarite vow even was. And we've learned that Samson began making small compromises on a big vow until eventually he just disregarded it entirely. That's the way sin works. But there are other steps in Samson's demise. And I want to draw your attention to some of those today if I can. Let's begin here in Judges 14 and verse 10. The Bible says, So his father went down unto the woman, and Samson made there a feast. Now listen to the end of verse 10. For so used the young men to do. I want to recommend to you today that when you're living your life by what everybody else is accustomed to doing, you're probably on the wrong course. When culture defines what's acceptable to you instead of Christ, you're measuring by the wrong standard. So many believers today are measuring their, their separation and their holiness based on how far they are from the world instead of how close they are to the Lord. And one of Samson's great mistakes was this. He wanted to do what everybody else did. All the other young men are doing it. All the other young men are throwing these debauched parties, these drunken orgies, these wedding feasts that were prominent in the, in the Philistine era. And Samson said, I want that. Remember, Scripture says, Thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil. It doesn't matter if everyone's doing it, if God doesn't want you to do it. In fact, we're warned in Scripture that though hand join in hand, you shall not be unpunished. What does that mean? It means that there's no such thing as a majority against God. There is no such thing. The whole world can be doing it, but that's not the measurement for God's people. So if we don't want to follow the wrong path, we must be careful to say, Lord, what do you want, not what is everyone else doing? Here's another terrible mistake that Samson made. He allowed a besetting sin to take root in his life. What was Samson's besetting sin? Well, I think you find it at the beginning of the story in Judges 14. He sees a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. He says to his father in verse 3, Get her for me, for she pleaseth me well. So it starts with lust. Don't blame the woman. There'll always be a woman. There'll always be a Delilah. There'll always be something. Remember what Jesus said. It's not what's on the outside that defiles a man. It's what's on the inside. The wickedness of our own heart, our own sin nature, this deceitful heart of ours. It was lust rearing up in him. In Judges chapter 14, he marries this woman. By the way, this woman... Uh, plays on his emotion, presses on him daily, gets him to reveal information he shouldn't have revealed. Sound familiar? Did you realize he had already committed that sin before he ever got to Delilah's house? See, that's the thing about setting sins. They become pattern sins. Uh, they become something that we just excuse and we accept. After a while, you hear people saying things like, well, everybody's got their problems. Nobody's perfect. This just happens to be my thing. My friend, you're measuring again by the wrong standard. It's not do other people have their problems. 
It is this, what does the Lord want from my life? So he allows a besetting sin to take root in his life. By the way, besetting sins never stay small. They grow. They take root, they go deep, and then they branch out. When you come to chapter 16, verse 1, the Bible says, Then went Samson to Gaza, and saw there an harlot, and went in unto her. When you come to verse 4, It came to pass afterward that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. Do you see this progression of this besetting sin? And it gets worse and worse. Any sin left unchecked always gets worse. I want to say this today. Sins of a lifetime begin in your youth. I dare say people who are listening to me right now, who are up in years, further along in life, even at middle age in life, you can put your finger on things in your life that are the sins that so easily beset you, in the words of Hebrews. The things that are constantly throwing you off course. The things you've confessed a hundred times. And if you track it back and trace it back to its beginning, I dare say it started somewhere in your youth. No one begins those sins later in life. They just get bigger later in life. But the seed sin begins early in life. So I want to challenge you, wherever you are today, it's not going to get better. No, what do you have to do? You've got to dig it out. You've got to root it out. Uh, my son and I were doing some yard work recently, and we were dealing with a bank that had some brush on it and, and trying to get it out. And those thorn bushes were painful. Do you know how you deal with a thorn bush? You don't go out with a pair of scissors and start clipping the little thorns off and hope that they don't grow back. They're going to grow back. Uh, that's a futile thing to do. No, though it may be painful, what you've got to do is reach down and grab a hold of the thing and rip it up by the roots. Now, too many times we're dealing with the effects of our sin instead of the causes of our sin. Rip it up by the root. Root it out of your life. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that doth so easily beset us. Then we can run with patience the race that is set before us. Samson wanted to do what everybody else did. Samson allowed a besetting sin to take root in his life. But then, let me point this one out as well today. He ignored the guides that God gave him. Did you notice that the parents that loved him and raised him, the parents that prayed over him as a boy in Judges 13, the parents that taught him about the Nazarite vow are ignored now? As a matter of fact, they, they stand up in chapter 14 and say, don't you think you ought to marry somebody here in Israel like God said? And he refuses to listen to them. When you come down to verse number 6, when he kills the lion, the Bible says that he told not his father or his mother what he had done. May I ask you, why did he not want to tell his father or his mother? Remember, he was not to even touch a dead body. Why is he living a secret life? It's always a bad sign when people want to keep things from spiritual authority. When people don't want to be around the preacher, people don't want to be around spiritual people, they don't want to fellowship with them, that's usually a very bad sign. Because something is going on in their heart. There's a distance now. Samson begins to ignore his parents. In fact, as the story progresses, we hear less and less about them until finally they're never even consulted. Could I remind you today that God puts loving limits in life? And He puts loving leaders in life and that they're not your enemy. They may be the best friends you have because they're trying to keep you on the right path, guiding you to God. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 8 says, Whoso breaketh an hedge, the serpent shall bite him. You see, someone built that hedge for a reason. And those stones are there for a reason. And they're not simply to keep you from good things. It's to keep the snake on the other side of that hedge from getting at you. Don't tear down the hedges in life. Don't break the hedges that God has put in your life. Romans 13.1 says, There is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. 
Thank the Lord today for the guides God has given you. It may be parents, it may be a pastor, it may be a, a true friend that's willing to wound you and give you the right counsel. Be willing to seek counsel. In the multitude of counselors, there is safety, and it does matter who the multitude is. Don't make the mistake that Samson made of listening more to the young men around him and the culture of his day than to the older men above him and to those who were further along the path than he was. Listen to God. Listen to God's counselors. Follow God's way. I promise you, you'll be glad you did in the end. When Samson gets to the end of the story, he's blind. That's ironic, isn't it? His sin began with his eyes, and in the end, he's totally blind, and he's grinding at that prison house round and round in circles. Don't you know that on that day he wished he had not done what everybody else did, that he'd rooted out the besetting sin of his life, and that he'd listened to the God-ordained guides that had been given to him? Don't wait till it's too late to deal with the sin in you. May God help us all today to let the Lord be thorough with us. Samson is a reminder to us all that our strength is in God alone. Thank you for joining us today. Visit scottpauley.org for additional resources and an archive of all of the Enjoying the Journey episodes. We look forward to studying God's Word with you again soon.